Brands on Brands. Hey, this is Chris Kay from Podfest. And if you want to build your brand through community building, then you should be listening to Brands on Brands with my good friend, Brandon Brookmeyer. In a world where content is king and your reputation is your brand, how do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands, a home for those that think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here is your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Brands on Brands. I'm Brandon Berkmeyer, your personal branding coach, and this is episode 200. What? I know. I can't believe it either. So excited for you guys today. We have a very special guest, uh, one of the best in the field at community building. Uh, I saved his interview for today's episode, especially for you guys who are looking to build a personal brand, but realize that it takes a community to build a brand uh, and it takes some impact to change lives. This man has done both. Uh, Chris Kermitsos is the host of PodFest. He actually holds the Guinness World Record title for the largest attendance for a virtual podcasting conference in one week and is the leading expert on podcasting and on-demand audio. His international conference, PodFest, which I am a loyal attender of and have spoken at, uh, is the longest running continuous in-person podcasting event in the world attracts thousands of attendees from over 50 countries each year. Running parallel with that event, Chris also successfully birthed uh, a a conference called VidFest as part of his efforts to build the home for all creators. You know me, I'm a big fan of content creators. Lots of love to bring to you today with information pulled out of Chris on how to do this yourself, how to get out there, start your own events, whether it's small or large, how to build the build it the right way so that your community is at the heart of it and is helping you propel yourself uh, towards your goals, towards having a greater impact in the world. I don't want to belabor it, but Chris also uh, has two decades of experience and over 2,000 live events under his belt with the world's most influential voices in marketing, audio, and technology. Uh, they inspired his best-selling book, Start Ugly. If, if you haven't checked it out, it's an easy one-hour read uh, to inspire you to get going as an entrepreneur and influencer and begin your creative journey. Appreciate you guys listening to today. Uh, I got a lot out of it. I hope you do as well. Uh, and we also talk a little bit about how he built his personal brand and how community is connected to that. Appreciate you guys. Check out today's show. Brands on Brands. All right, let's get going. I'm so excited to welcome our guest today, Chris Kermitsos, to the show. Chris, first and foremost, thank you for being here. Oh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, the reason I'm excited, uh, and this will be a secret to me that I'm letting you know, is this will be my 200th episode when this comes out. And the reason I'm like, Chris is the guy, he doesn't know this, I just told him right now is for me, personal branding has been quite a journey. And one of the like big steps in that journey has been finding a community of people that I've really bonded with, building my personal brand and you know my content and finding events I can go to, finding places I can speak at. 
And one of the places where I found that community is an event called Podfest that Chris Kermitso started. And so Chris, I was like, I couldn't think of no one better than you to bring on today to talk about building community, to talk about event marketing, and as always, personal branding as well. Uh, so first, thank you. Thank you for building what you've built, man. Thank you for having me on the 200th episode. That's a high praise for any podcaster. Um, so I really appreciate that spot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's start with this idea of creating community, right? What are the key ingredients? Like, let's just start with some basic concepts for everyone out there, because we don't all think about this. We're not all thinking, hey, how do I create a community today? So let's start with like key ingredients of a thriving community. What would you say? So you have to start with the very basics. It's like we need to have either a shared interest, niche. So like most people don't realize this, but when you look at associations, they either represent someone's career, like you got your mortgage brokers, you got your doctors, you got your brand experts, your marketers. So all these different uh, associations usually have kind of, this is my wheelhouse. So people could self-identify, oh, I should be part of that. Or you could create um, an event based around a belief system. So for instance, PodFest is based around podcasters as creators, but we're expanding out of that to live streamers, YouTubers, you know, we have different brands within that brand. But you can have people that are, you know, doing something good or like, um, I don't know if you remember this, uh, Brandon, but people used to go to local shops. I think they still do and buy like stuff to support a local shop, like these groups would pop up. So that's a group where people are looking to do good in the world together. So there's a there's a common interest and that common interest could either be what you consider yourself to be your wheelhouse or it could be a belief system. So that's like fundamental foundational. You can't just create a group and say, show up to see how great I am. So something about like how you self-identify is a little yeah. bit like that. And it could be coming around a brand or like you created a podcast. So we're now part of that community. So please understand podcasting is a one-to-many platform, but to create a community out of a podcast, you're creating what I would call it. And my wife kind of termed this a three-dimensional thing. Cause now the community members will create relationships outside the host. Now you have something that has legs that could have a much bigger impact because now the community is taking a life of its own. But again, that's also a lot of people are afraid of that because it's also, you have to understand that part of it you can't control. So you have to create guardrails or boundaries or uh, some rules, depending on what it is that you want your community to do or be. And that goes into kind of community governance. You have to figure out what that is. Everybody has different governance. I know we're all exposed to like Facebook groups have like don't spam. So that's like some basic, that's almost like if we were to say the constitution, some basic human rights, like, Hey, don't spam. That's like a Facebook thing. You're not allowed to spam in a group. So. so like a basic construct, there needs to be some guide rails, some understanding of what are we here to do? And what are some things we, we understand are the rules of the group, just some basic starting points. So everyone isn't just a free for all is what I'm that's correct. And then the, the, the other, the last thing, the last two things are um, usually there's some, in this instance, I'm going to just use this kind of example because it's probably pertains to a lot of us that are listening to this. It has some form of education. And that's the reason why we say to ourselves, I need to go there because I'm going to get something of value. So whether it's go there virtually in person, doesn't matter because you have to explain it to yourself, to your significant other, if you have a family, why are you spending time away? And that is an informational piece. And the bigger benefit if you have a really great community is I get to meet other amazing people and create synergies out of that. And those synergies 
you know, are so unique to communities. There's so many different things that you could get out of there besides just business or aligning yourself strategically with someone and their interest. Those are the ethereal benefits of bringing people together. Yeah, I like that. And, it, you know, I'd like to call that impact because for me, there's like what I've got. Sometimes I don't go to the, the, the conferences and the events or the communities to learn something. I sometimes just go because to your point, there's value that's going to be derived in some other way. And it's some kind of impact. And maybe that thing that they're saying is not educational to me, but it's inspiring to me. Like I hear a story that makes me want to keep going or that makes me think of how I'd like to contribute deeper into the community itself. Uh, So I love that, the idea that there's not just we are all gathering, we all believe the same thing and we have some rules, but also that there's something happening that affects us that really like causes us to grow in some way um, is interesting. And then you talk about this idea of like kind of this, you said, you know, like a synergy, which, you know, the common idea of networking, right? It's really the, it's, I think, gotten ahead of itself uh, and it's become a dirty word. And I think people are looking for relationships, but what does, you know, this community aspect of it bring to the table that allows people to build relationships differently? The, the, yeah, well, when you uh, self-identify and say, I want to be part of a community now I'm actively going to be part of that. You also have to take yourself into the, into that person's uh, viewpoint. A lot of times they'll come out by themselves. So now it's like, oh my God, am I going to meet someone? So the first thing they do, it's very much like a high school. It's first year class for the people that are first timers. Now they're going to create those relationships that they're going to create year one are probably going to be some of the most pivotal relationships that they'll have for their life in that field uh, or in that community. So you, you have to be very conscious that that's a very precious moment when someone first raises their hand and says, I want to be part of what you got. Uh, the one thing I'll tell you, like, this is just a rule of thumb. Here's like two like uh, community guidelines that people won't teach you. It's not something you hear often. Never apologize for the amount of people that show up to your community. So if it's you and one other person, don't apologize to that person that you should have had more people. That's like cardinal sin in my book to apologize. Cause what you're saying to that person is it would have been more valuable if more people in you showed up. Okay. And, and you could have 10 people and say, Oh, I, I had a plan for 20. Now you're telling the 10 that they're not as valuable as 20. So we never want to put um, value over uh, the individuals that raise their hand to show up. And then if you're doing, let's say a live event, Um, and you know, you have 50 people confirmed and let's say you didn't charge. So it's a free event you're starting out. That's how I started out. Uh, make sure to have like 25 chairs instead of 50. And then when you need to add chairs, add chairs. The only reason is people do look at what, who, and what is in the room. And if there's empty chairs now, obviously now with COVID, you want to space them out, but you want to make sure that, um, it it looks full because it creates a different energy within, uh, an in-person event slash community. Yeah, I think that, I mean, what you're getting around is how you want to make people feel when they're there, right? Like, no matter what, they want to feel important. They want to be excited about the experience they're going to have and feeling like they showed up to something that no one else showed up to will ruin the experience. You know, that like this, oh, they must have planned for something else. And I'm like, I'm the guy that got tricked. You You just hit me, by the way, Brandon, you just hit my number one thing I teach. So I get asked by a lot of people and you and I have hung out and you see like people get uh, introduced to me that want to do events. And people always like, Chris, what would you tell the person? And usually when someone's doing an event for the first time, it's a very stressful experience because now they're, 
I don't know, who knows, they hope to get 500. They realize it's hard to get people out of their house to go to an event. So now they got like 10 or 20 coming. And what I always tell them, and you mentioned this, you talked about excitement. Actually, that's the number one tool to have a great event is to make sure, I always tell the promoters, are you excited for your event? They're like, no, I'm stressed. I go, well, you better figure out how to be excited. Because if you're not excited, why would someone else be excited about your event? Or how would they talk about your event to someone else if they're to help you promote? So excitement is probably the number one ingredient outside of all the fundamentals that, you know, uh, the nuts and bolts from a branding perspective. If you're not excited about your event, why should someone else be excited if you're not. So excitement is actually the top, that and anticipation for the event. So building anticipation is part of a great promotion. Yeah. Well, and you talked about this idea of first timers and that just created curiosity for me in itself because there's, we're first timers in a lot of things we do, but when you are, you know, a second, third, fourth time event, the pressure's off of you. And now you're really thinking about these people that are showing up for the first time that haven't been exposed to your culture and the what they're going to get. Like, they don't even know the impact. They're kind of taking a flyer on this a lot of the time, unless they trust someone that said you have to come to this thing. How do you approach engaging first-timers, inviting first-timers, and making sure that the experience lives up to what you want the expectation to be? So for PodFest and a lot of the events that we do, um, we have what's called the Strategic Alliance. We do two things for PodFest. We do Trivial Warfare Night, thanks to Jonathan Oaks of Trivial Warfare. So we allow people to randomly sit at a, we use round tables, that's really big, to uh, team up and then play trivia against each other. So that will bond the table because it's a common shared activity amongst a group of, disp- like the people are just from all over. So for me, that's like a great way to, I might not call it orientation, but it is without them knowing it because orientation people are like, ah, it's just not, a, it doesn't have the a positive connotation. So I right. love trivia night, but it is our orientation. What do you love about it? Why that? It's fun. It's fun. People start talking to each other. They start learning. They have to work as a group to answer the questions. So, and we do like icebreaker questions for them to get to know each other. They have to name their team. So all these things uh, you're emotionally stacking within an hour or two five to seven layers of different experiences. Some teams win, some teams, remember once we had like, I forgot what the team was called, but it was like Aussies from down under and they were like dead last and we wanted to give them a prize. They all ran out of the thing, but they have this shared experience that they didn't want to be known as the dead last group. But I'm sure that that was a funny tongue in cheek thing for them. But that that's what I love about it. It's fun. And when you're having fun, you tend to bond with other people around you. Well, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's built to break down a lot of those walls we have when we're entering something new and we're a little nervous so that we can carry that through to us, through to the event itself, where we now we know someone, we can run into them, which is the hardest thing. When you don't know anybody, it changes everything. But when you can run into someone and bounce off of them, uh, that energy, like to start with that is huge. Because I've definitely gone to events and not had those icebreakers. And it takes a lot of courage. And we have to do a better job. I'm talking for myself personally of communicating that that touch point is meant for, hey, if you're coming by yourself, go to this event. So we're doing a better job of communicating why they need to be at that event. Because some people might say, I'm interested in the content. I don't want to go to trivia night. Meanwhile, the people at 10 trivia night, when we look at the feedback forms, they'll tell us that was my favorite part. Or the next night when you had the strategic alliance, I met 40 people I didn't expect to meet. And those always outrank the education because like you just said, the community building starts happening. And now I have my first level of offense, my, my, my peeps that are going to help me throughout the whole conference. Yeah. So you said there was a couple of things you do for first timers. 
So then we do a strategic alliance, which is uh, what we call it now for, that was like the business use of it, but we, it's the influencer meet and greet. And that's where we literally give you to sit at a numbered table. You have a little room assignment and then I, we'll control the flow at, at the front of the audience. And you'll meet about 30 people you haven't met before. We do about four turns, meaning people have to change their chairs about four times. And we noticed that the introverts, that's the max they take. The extroverts want to go another two, three rounds. So we had to find them a perfect medium. It's like one more than what an introvert wants, but it's good. And it's two or three less than what an extrovert wants. So we found that happy balance within 90 minutes, people will meet 30, 35 people. And, and quite honestly, Brendan, we're always thinking about how we, how can we create that experience better? Cause it will bring more people to the fold if we're able to communicate it better. So these are just some of the beginning steps and treasure maps for the exhibit hall. So you, the, the first timers could then go talk to an exhibitor, anything we can do to create collisions, uh, intentional collisions is very important to a community building. Yeah. I love that. Now, what I'm thinking about is, I mean, you have, I don't want you to go back in time because you've created so many events before you built the one you have, but when you're approaching a new event or kind of a new offering these days, I wonder what you think about first. You get to tap your, your current community, which not a lot of us get to do. But I still wonder, like, the ingredients that you're thinking about, like, if I'm just getting started, you're like, Brandon, like, I want you to skip some of the things that I ran into. Uh, here's where I would start. Like, start with 20 people, do this thing. Like, how would you, you know, say, if you were coaching me on how to get started in my town, building something for me or for, I guess, that I want to be affiliated with, hey, how would you say I pick that? Because me joining something is easier for me to figure out what I want to create. Yeah. So when I first moved to Florida, I, I, you know, I grew up in New York and I moved to Florida. I didn't know anyone. Uh, so I would go out to meetings and I made a distinction that changed the course of my life. It, it's a marketing distinction. And I think you would appreciate it as well as his audience. I created a little group for business owners, but I didn't know anyone. I just moved. So how do you get people in a group that you don't know anyone? Right. So I had that exact problem that you're talking about, but I was going to these networking events and I, I could have, someone told me you should go knock on every business owner's door and invite them to the event and have like some kind of tax help. They'll show up for tax, whatever the topic was. And I thought to myself, my uncles owned a restaurant for like 30. I mean, they still own it. Now it's like going on 50 years, but whatever. At the time they owned it for like 30 years. I was like, if I, if I knocked on my uncle's door at their diner in New York, what would they do? And I was like, they'd probably throw me out uh, nicely, but I'd be a solicitor. So I was like, that's not a good marketing play. Like I can't start there. So what I did, and this was the distinction, I targeted people that already go to meetings. That's one. So I had a layer because they're more apt to show up to another meeting. And I invited the five leaders from those groups to be my guests. And then I asked them if they could invite other people to attend. And we had a hundred people at our first event from that one strategy. I mean, that's, I, I don't know why that's just not, that, that's a whole book, Chris. I mean, <laughs> well, my intention was pure too. So I have to go with that. I wasn't looking, what I was looking to do is create a group of business owners to support one another. Cause I was new to the area and I figured there's probably other people that need support and help. So that was the intention. We're going to do like masterminds at round tables, but once a month, but like speed round, not like deep dive, like just to see how everybody's going. And it was right before the market crashed in real estate. It was actually, it was as the market was crashing, it was like 08, 09. And what I didn't realize is um, 95% of people are in the real estate niche as entrepreneurs. I don't have to tell you, like 80% of them lost everything. So how do we transcend that? The one thing I will tell anyone listening, I, I'm always hell bent on how can I create value? At the time, 
everybody had issues with their websites going from HTML to Web 2.0. So WordPress, Joomla, all these things were coming out. And I said, let's create a little meetup helping people with that. That's where I found the other 80% of new members come in because they needed internet social media help. And we went right back up to 100, even though we shed. So always looking to add value and seeing where the value is. That's So Brandon, people ask me, how do you get people? They think I just show up and people show up. I actually ask and I listen to what the community needs and I do my best to fit those needs the best of my abilities. Did you have that idea or that topic figured out before you solicited the influencers or did you talk to the influencers first and say, okay, what would these guys want to talk about? Oh, it's interesting you say that. It's bringing, I haven't talked about this in a long time. Um, what I did, I, for, I almost forgot this. I got five of those people in a room and we brainstormed out. I, I, want to, I wasn't going to do it if it wasn't needed. So I was like, does this area need this? You know, And the agreement was yes, but there was one guy that was really crotchety and he actually gave me the best advice. He goes, if you do not create a, um, an ecosystem where business can take place, he goes, it might not be direct, but almost like what you and I were talking about, synergy, so I could improve my business or my life. Um, he goes, they're not going to come back. So you got to figure out like, yes, you have value, but how can you collide these members together so it creates additional value for them to come back for each other? That's what a community is. So if he didn't say that at the time, I thought he was being a prick, to be honest with you, because it was like someone poo-pooing over your idea and you're all excited. But he gave me the most valuable piece of feedback. And that's always been at the forefront of what we do. How could create value outside of the education? Like that's a given. You have to have really great education that they'll come back to say, oh, I want to meet Brandon because Brandon and I were talking about XYZ. Maybe I could introduce Brandon. Like there's there's a transactional thing that happens within a community uh, and it could also just be, I want to see how Brandon is doing. We haven't seen each other in six months. Uh, it could be that, but but you have to bond them to create that. I've uh, Yeah, I mean, that's huge. I've seen that. I've seen events that don't have that. And it's the scariest thing because you walk the halls and it's just vendors. It's just the sales force of every you know person related to an industry. And it's none of the buyers. Because the buyers know to avoid places where all they're going to do is be sold to and they're not going to get any value. So I could give you a, a rule of thumb for Please. you and your audience, uh, how to know if someone's doing good with an event without asking for feedback. Tell me. Okay. So let's say there's a presentation. Okay. So, you, so I'm going to, I'm going to blow some smoke, but it's justified. You're an amazing presenter. Like you presented our virtual over COVID and you blew us all away. And then at PodFest Origins, you did an amazing job. Thank you. But how, now I might say that, but how do I know the audience also believes it? That's the question, right? So I could tell you that all I want. But so the mark of a great presentation is that people don't leave right away when it's corporate. Okay. And I've seen this when corporations buy tickets for their people, they pretend like they're listening, but the moment the presenter is done, they literally run out the door. So you could be sitting there as an entrepreneur, just a person hanging out. And then you look around and there's no one left when the speaker creates an emotion or um, there's something that happens um, energetically, people don't leave. They hang out and, and it actually impacts the crowd and the community and the networking is insane. So that's like one of the tests. If you want to see like, did you do well without them? Cause everybody's going to be nice to you. Oh yeah, we loved it. It was great. But if they hang around a little bit longer and they start asking questions and you see people talking to each other, you've done something more special than just presenting information. You've bonded them as a community organizer, but also, you know, with your speakers and that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I love that. I, I think there's something about like how to design that. I think it's, it's a bit of a, like you have to, I think it's trial and error at some point. And, and the you facilitation, that's what most people forget facilitation before and after. 
Yeah. And you talk, I mean, I like the idea of starting with the Q key influencers in a space. Uh, when do you start bringing in this, you know, the, the, like the experts into the room and how do you start to cipher between who's a good person to, to expose to this community you're just starting to build? So my experience early on, I didn't know anything about paying for speakers. So what I did was a speaker would say, Hey, I want 15 grand. I'm like, great. Let me cut you a check. And before I knew I had no money. So, uh, no joke. Like I was like, Oh yeah. How much is Brian Tracy? Oh, here you go. And I was like, okay, well now I got no money. Cause no one showed up for that person. Like that was the weird part. You think that because you got a big name speaker, the community's going to show up, not necessarily. So I learned the very hard way. So what we, what we decided to do was create smaller workshops or, you know, you could do a zoom call with smaller audiences and we'd start finding under our nose experts, like people that know their stuff. And we started giving like you're part of that, like uh, for PodFest now I do it intuitively, but I had to learn that by the way, Brandon, it wasn't like I knew how to do that. So we started learning like, Hey, you know what, Brandon, who's sitting there in the front row has a marketing agency. I think he knows something. Well, let's ask him if he could do something. And the challenge though, is you have to be willing to take a hit if the person is not up to your expectations. But the prob- the good part is when you're starting out, people don't have high expectations of what you're going to provide. So as long as you could coach the person and they're willing to listen, you could help them navigate what you want. And if you could eventually get your presenters from your community or you've seen them present, um, rule of thumb is either you've seen them present or you've had one or two friends that you trust have seen the person present that vouch for them. That's how you start bringing in really great um, presenters. Yeah, I was surprised that you actually took the time to, even with your virtual presentations, to look through and have people talk about what their presentations are. You have walkthroughs of like how the day is going to go and, you know, and help and do some coaching along the way. And that seems like a really time intensive process to go, especially with how many speakers you have at your events. Was that always the way that you always started to build that in or did it change at some point? So when when we used to do the the small Tampa Bay business owners, we used to actually create a speaker placement committee because I had too many blind spots. So um, we all do, by the way. So we had a, a committee of diverse individuals looking, not just, I'm not talking about like the person, like information. I might be like, I don't, I love marketing, right? So a marketing guy is not going to like accounting. But if you have a group of business owners, like half of them might want accounting and bookkeeping and the other half of like, I don't like that stuff. So we realized like we had blind spots of information because I was only doing marketing all the time. Um, So that's one thing you need to be conscious of, uh, your blind spots. So we actually had a committee where people would come through and do their presentations and we'd give them feedback. Uh, This was in a locale. For PodFest, when we went virtual, and this could help anyone here if you try and do it virtually, uh, I, what we learned very quickly is if you give your speakers a set of goals and like guidelines of what you think they could do, and then I would get on that 15 minute call. My goal was to make sure that your information was not repeated 20 times over that day. So you had a fresh audience. So I'm looking out for you, but also you have to be like, okay, I could cut those slides out and I could do this. Now we're in the process of training Wendy and she's doing that and she's doing a phenomenal job, uh, but it's the learned skill. It's not, um, but I would say that you have to put, like, if you really want a great community and you're not putting time into the content that's being delivered in your community, you can't expect people to keep coming back. That's one area you have to put your time and resources in. No, that's uh, like, it seems hugely important. As these things start to grow, I imagine they get more and more complicated uh, and you have to start to add different, you know, like elements. One that I wanted to talk about, which is, you know, pretty common is the idea of Facebook groups. Cause I feel like people, when they think about community, they try to hack it by creating a quick Facebook group 
Uh, and I think a lot of us are guilty. I'm not judging. Uh, I've done that myself, but it quickly falls apart for, I'd say the majority of them because there are certain things missing. And I don't always think it's because it was missing the in-person thing, but maybe it's some of these elements you were talking about. What are your feelings about Facebook groups and like maybe what's wrong with the models that people start with? Well, it's kind of difficult for a couple of reasons. Some groups take off because that person started at first and the, those people now have said, hey, this is my group. So you could have someone literally by sheer luck being a terrible organizer, they don't even do anything. But once people assign that this is where I'm in the group, it's very tough to like start it fresh. So I just want to be very clear. There is some luck at play. That being said, if we're looking to say, okay, let's say we don't have the luck in our side, how do we still do it and make it happen? It's not just like the share your this Wednesday, you, you actually like one of the things I used to do in the early days of our PodFest Facebook group. Um, I remember once it was running stale, right? It was like, oh man, no one's posting. What are we going to do? And I called up one of my members who I know loves playing around. He loves to sing and do videos. I said, can you create like a PodFest jingle and throw it up there for me? And he's a ham. So he's like, oh yeah, anytime. And he's created like, you know, PodFest people and that created the PodFest jingle. And then a lot of us were creating our jingles. So you have to sometimes think outside the box of what can be fun. And part of that was we're trying to promote PodFest, but also the group wasn't getting a lot of traction. So that enlivened everybody. So outside of the common, like, you know, post your business, uh, post your link, whatever it is that you're promoting, you have to also look at like, who are the individuals in your group? Are they, are they hams about anything? You got to look at what's going on outside of the group. And then you got to engage, like for instance, we have members of our group that are literally loyal to PodFest, like they go, go to PodFest every year, but they'll post something really good in some other group for whatever reason. And I'll like text them, hey, can you post that in PodFest, please? So you have to actively be watching that to help create value outside of having uh, training organizers and people to help you with it. It needs a lot of time and energy. So um, community is not something that's built overnight. So that's what I, that's my, my suggestion and, and advice on that. I've seen that. Actually, I've seen you guys do that play out in real time. I, there was, I think I had commented on someone's post that, you know, they had asked, a, there's always a question being asked at some point. So I'd gave, given some two cents. And I think someone reached out and said, could you just start a new thread that expresses this, you know, idea or how you would do this or ask this question in a different way so we can get a lot of answers going. And then you answer the question as well. Uh, and I thought that was different. I thought like, People, you know, that the organizer actually listening to the comments and seeing what's happening and thinking about how that might be interesting to other people that didn't notice it buried in the comment thread. I think there's some nuance to how you keep this, these things engaged. And debate, debate issues. If you see any debate issues, um, the challenge nowadays is people are really, there could be some negative people out there in general. So we, we tested that. Like, we're like, Hey, let's go like, debate issues of friendly stuff. Now I'm not even talking about politics, but some people just get really downright uh, nasty. So you just have to have some rules again, like I said, and talk to those people, or you could decide I'm going to just let it fly and let it be. But like, for instance, with microphones, it could be like, you know, do you like the ATR or whatever, or Samsung? Like that's a controversial thing in a podcasting group. And then you might get someone in there. How dare you guys, you know, none of us could afford that. And like, you know, and sometimes you get these weird things that happen, but that's part of community. It's not pretty at all times. There's some, you know, there's some stuff that you have to watch and that's part of what you sign up for is having rules and being able to explain like, Hey, that's not kosher. I need you to reframe that if you're going to be part of this community and stuff like that. 
Yeah. Now, as you think about the ecosystem, because yours is now grown to have lots of different kind of arms and channels to it. I wonder how you think of what role the event plays in terms of the greater community as it grows beyond just an event. What role do you think that the event plays in that entire ecosystem? So for us, the event, let's, well, let's bring it back to what we're talking about. Cause it's actually the brand PodFest is a brand. We own the trademark because what happened was people were using our name like all over. So we're in the process of getting the international trademark too, because it is a brand that we own. Um, however, we have very loose rules within that brand, allowing the ecosystem to exist. So we see PodFest as a force for creators to come together to revolutionize the world that we live in. And I, I mean, we mean that. We have people that have science podcasts. We have marketing. We have my wife with the meditation. We have like some of the top meditation podcasters helping people healing, you know. So our brand is uh, an area that facilitates greatness through connectivity of these really amazing creators and individuals. That's really how I visualize the brand. So our job is to create a facilitated environment for that to transact uh, effortlessly or, or looking like it's effortlessly while the team and I are working as hard as we can to create rules and allow very light rules, but allow um, exceptionalism to happen. And also what happens at the same time, Brandon, is some things aren't so great, but we will then perfect or like I give you an example. Let me give you like a concrete example. During Pod Global, we had someone do a track for healthcare professionals. The intention for this individual was she wanted to do something great. She did the Zoom in her car with her daughter. She was not prepared. Let's just put it that way. But the intention was good. Okay. Then the doctor she booked to speak after her, uh, he didn't show up on time. He was on call. So it was a little messy. However, what, what do we learn? We had tons of people that signed up for that. And we learned, holy, holy crap, we have a lot of healthcare people within PodFest. And one of them, Zach Demopoulos, who's a pillar of our community, said, I would like to head that up next time we do that. So it's a win. But it didn't start like it was kind of ugly. Like we had to wait at one point. I think we were on all on the call for like 15 minutes and I'm tap dancing, waiting. However, that was well worth it for now one of the pillars of our community to say, hey, I want to lead this. Now we're working with him towards PodFest 2022, having an entire healthcare communicator track for people in that industry, which we think they need to communicate with each other more than anyone. You know, I mean, as we talk about branding a little bit, it definitely seems like there's the, you know, the reputation for me, branding is reputation. So there's a reputation, there's an identity that the event itself has, that the ecosystem and environment has itself versus what, you know, what I would say is, you know, the Chris Kermitsos brand, which I'd say is more subdued. In other words, like you're not out there. There's not like the, by the the Chris Kermitsos book, that's your name. You know, it's like, there's these other things that you're like the supporter of. How do you think about how you are leveraging, you know, the reputation of you versus the things you're creating? So I've had a lot of thought on this because I, I do, my brain does work as a marketer. Like it, that's where, like, that's where it works best. Okay. So as marketers, I, I like to say, and I'm kind of partial to people in branding and marketers, we're always thinking about the experience with the brand. So we're not necessarily, most of us in our space are not held to like, in other words, if I was a technician, I'd be like, Brandon, this is how we do it. And I don't care what you say. As a marketer, I want the experience to be very frictionless and I want it to be amazing. I think that's part of the marketer brain. Like, why can't it be amazing? Why, why can't we take out friction points? So 
I've dealt with this through consultants I've worked with. They're like, what is your brand? What is the company? So intentionally, PodFest is not a brand built around me, even though Chris Kermitzos is infused within the brand as it grows, my personal brand will be more removed because I'm giving leadership roles to more of the people within the community from attendees to like people like Wendy, who's working alongside us. So here's how I'll package my brand. When I watch America's Got Talent, which is one of my favorite shows, I haven't watched it in a while, but when I watch it, I tear up when someone does something great. So for whatever reason, I enjoy watching someone on a stage reaching their full potential and feeling like I'm part of it. So for me, I like being the, cause like I'm a great speaker and I could go speak, but I don't get the same kicks out of it. And it, where I could set the stage and now I see like a friend do really well. So my brand is a catalyst to help others around me do great things. So uh, as uh, my buddy, Neil Gilarte would say, sometimes people don't necessarily understand that. And they're like, oh, I don't want to share the limelight with Chris. Or I'm not sure. But they're you know, like weird things. Like I'm talking about close friends. But Neil's like, you know, they don't understand. You're not even, you're looking to like give them the stage and we all do well together. So for me, it's big uh, abundance and raising everybody together. And that's kind of the brand. And that's how PodFest works. We give people their own microcons. We help spread the wealth so everybody could do well together. And I really mean that. And, and I could tell you that viscerally because I tear up when I watch some like, like the, the Lati dog act or whatever it is, like the father and son, I see that stuff. It gives me goosebumps. So my brand is a catalyst to help other people. And it's, it goes into everything I do. When you look at that thread, it's almost uniform from start ugly to PodFest to whatever. It's all about community and, and, and people doing amazing things together. And I would say it's a different approach. And that's why I was interested in having this conversation today uh, is I'm used to talking to the people who've become known for something because they are the speaker on the stage. They are the author of the book. They are the creator of the course or the process and they, or they've developed the following, right? And this is a, you know, a different way in. And maybe I'd almost say that you haven't needed to do those, those like to kind of own that route, but you've still developed that reputation. And maybe now it it almost seems like you're starting because you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I now want to write this book, which usually people would do first. And now you found something you wanted to create. Was the book part of you saying, I'm going to, st- I want to start to be known for something as Chris, or is it, was it just a completely different separate execution? So even though I've tried to do stuff and I'm big in people developing personal brands, but also like you have to do what's congruent within you. So for me, I tried to write like a book that was more uh, me centered and I couldn't do it. Like, so start ugly actually, which is something I would naturally tell people when they got stuck is like, Hey, start ugly. And they'd be like, well, how do I do that? And then I created a short story, which is fiction based. And I looked at it as a tool that my friends could use to their clients and their friends that were stuck as like a who moved my cheese. So I was looking, how can I create something that could help a lot of people? So that's the intention behind the book solely. I didn't care if I made a penny on it, but obviously I was like, how great would it be to sell a million copies and help millions of people get unstuck with this very simple thing. So um, I think to talk about branding, to bring it back, I think my brand will grow as these platforms that I've built grow as a byproduct of the success of the things that I've grown. And that'll help me build my brand on the back end of these things. For me, that's congruent in that I, I'm a community builder. So it would make sense. You know, I think Josh Carey, very kind. He, he interviewed me and he goes, can I ask you something? 
Uh, and you, you, you asked in a very uh, thing, but he asked a very brunt and he goes, none of your social numbers are big. And he goes, so what the hell are you doing to get thousands of people at these events? And the, 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 the thing is we make anyone that comes through our doors feel part of that community, which they are. And we help them then take ownership within that community so they could uh, do whatever it is that they want. And they bring back a friend and that word of mouth, as you know, in marketing, you can't pay for like, as we grow into the artificial intelligence and voice activated commands and the metaverse, the only way you could definitely market and use money, but people aren't coming back if it's not excellent or, or, or near excellent. So that's what we're looking to do, creating an experience where you want to come back and bring a friend. And, and that's how I want to grow my, my communities. Well, and what I think is awesome is there's, when I'm listening to your advice, I'm thinking about what you're saying today. I think people underestimate the value of not just starting ugly, but starting small, especially in the community space. Even if you're already, you know, known in some ways, maybe you have a following, maybe you've already written a book, taking the time to even get 10 people together or 20 people together seems like when I'm talking to you, like a no brainer that a lot of us skip and the value of that could be huge. Yeah. Uh, one time a while back, I forgot that it was Veterans Day and I had a meetup at a village in um, and I showed up and there were seven people. And the guy I booked is literally one of the at the time. Now he's like one of the top guys in the world, but one of the top artificial intelligence experts. He just happened to live in Tampa. Palo Alto bought him like a year later, took him over there. And I remember everybody saying, where is everybody? Because we used to get 40 people. And I said to them, all I know is that seven of us showed up. And we're going to have the greatest experience of our lives today because now we have more time with each other and we're going to get to know each other. I could, Brandon, I could tell you who those people are. My wife was one of them, who they were, what we talked about. And we, and they, they will tell you that that was one of their favorite events that we've ever done. So I look at, um, if you honor five people or six people and they feel special, you just got to be long-term growth. They're going to bring people back. And PodFest has doubled in size almost year over year based on us honoring and making sure that people feel welcome and feel at home. I, I think that's huge. I think that's the next book, Chris. I mean, you know, you don't need my advice, but start small. Okay, There's got to be the follow-up to start ugly, but. <laughs> Can I give you, I, I, this is one, I have to, Please. it'll be quick. So one of the things that I wish I would have known, and this is one of those things like you're asking someone. So let's say you do your first community event. And your speaker's okay, which is fine. People aren't expecting a great speaker. You might be your speaker and you're amazing. You must always have what I call a speaker submission. Ask people, hey, do you have any topics you like to submit? And ask them to submit right there at your first presentation. You'll get at least two people, let's say a five or six, like, hey, I'd love to share X, Y, Z or blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, that momentum just started for you, building your community by asking the people sitting there to to. I wouldn't even ask them to speak. I was like, does anyone have a topic you'd like to share it next month around these things? All of a sudden you'll unlock the wisdom of, of your crowd and it'll grow much quicker. No, beautiful. Uh, if you guys haven't checked that out, Start Ugly is on Amazon. You can go to chriskrimitsos.com to find that. Also check out podfest.us to check out what's going on with the event that is coming out May 26th through 29th, 2022. And just appreciate the time uh, spent with you today, Chris. I hope it was valuable. I enjoyed the conversation, Brandon. I love how you weaved it. Uh, and community building is something I love doing, but I don't often talk about. So thank you for making that the focus of this. No, absolutely, man. I appreciate you. appreciate you guys listening and we'll catch you guys next week. 
You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to help you build a brand that matters. Head over to BrandsOnBrands.com for resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit BrandsOnBrands.com.